Painted Arrow podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. It's Friday, August. August 6th. August the 6th. 6th. And I'm sitting here in the new house. We just cleaned out the room today, actually, in preparation for this year's podcast. And uh, like a podcast studio, we're working on it slowly but surely. And I got a glass of wine. Does that make me fruity or no? No, that sounds about right. (laughs) It sounds about right. So I want to do an update here on the Holy Spirit because we have some. I've had some interaction with this deer in the last couple of weeks that I feel like is. It really, uh, the, the, the places and the timing and the locations of, of the sightings of this deer, they're interesting. And at the same time, it like, it makes me think that he's smart. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I've had three, like, like real life, not through a, a cell cam or through a trail cam, like interaction with this deer. Um, and I think you only know about two of them. Um, one of them, when, when I was mowing the lawn and yeah. um, just out in the bean field to the north of me, there's probably 80 acres. I'm sorry. There's there's two 80-acre plots of beans, mm-hmm. and they kind of stack on top of each other. So I'm looking at right down 160 acres of beans, and right between the two 80-acre parcels, is like a buffer strip and it's, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the same width as the 80 acres, but the actual depth of it is, it's only, I want to say 15 yards. It's just CRP, just a natural buffer CRP, tall grass between the bean fields. Okay. And I think that, you know, tractors use that to load, unload and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm mowing my lawn and I, the way that I mow my lawn is I kind of like drive out into the, out into the road and I'll turn around in the road and come back into the grass and I'll go back and, you know, just like that. And I'll go around, turn around in the road and that's just kind of how I mow it. It makes it easiest. And one time I was driving out into the road and I was going to swing back around and go back into my yard and mow back in. And I see this deer easily a quarter mile away in the beans, right at the end of the first 80 acre chunk and it was just next to this buffer strip and i was like man that's a big deer like i could just you know it was like it wasn't even like i had to process what i was seeing mm-hmm. i was just like wow that's a big deer and um i immediately like i left the i mean i left the the lawnmower running um blades are spinning i run in the house grab my you know, i always keep my binoculars and my tripod like in the front room i'm always glassing out the front window so I yeah. went in there, jumped in, grabbed it. I sit down like on the stoop there. <laughs> when I say stoop, we got a couple of five gallon buckets and a board across it. Now I'm sitting That's there. A stoop. <laughs> we don't get a porch yet. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm glassing this bucket immediately. And I'm like, like immediately, as soon as I put my glass on, I'm like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's a big buck. Like yep. there's no other deal out here that's like that. And just, just the way that it was all happening, like we had a strong, um, northwest wind and this mm. buck the the time that um 
<clears throat> the time that this this deer was out was like very unusual for a mature deer like that. It was like one thirty in the afternoon, like broad daylight, strong, like 15 mile an hour wind that day. And, um, I grabbed my phone real quick and just tried to like freehand like a phone scope just to like document it, what I was seeing and like, you know, get his body language. And I think something bumped it out of like a, um, bedding out of its bedding. I don't know what it was, but he, he was real spooky out in that field. He didn't stay long out in the open. I mean, I think I just happened to catch him and, um, that was the first interaction. And I just thought it was like, I sat there and glassed him for a while. Like the lawnmower still running, you know? And, um, I, I sat there and glassed him. He was just standing in, in this like buffer strip where like it covered his whole body, but his rack. And I could see his, I could see his velvet clear as day, broad daylight, very sunny. Like I was just sitting there glassing him. And after a while I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just going to either keep watching his antlers or just keep mowing the lawn. So I just kept mowing the lawn. But mm-hmm. isn't that weird, man? Like one thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you sent me a clip or tried to, and I couldn't see much. But um, based on his demeanor, something's just telling me. I mean, you you said he he acted spooky. It wasn't like he was just out feeding around in the middle of the day at one thirty in the afternoon. Like something bumped him out of there. Maybe it was a predator. Maybe it was a car. Who knows? Um, but it's cool that. Um, you're not only able to start patterning this deer, but you're having some like in-person encounters yeah. versus just, just seeing trail cam picks because I don't, I guess I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I feel like that's just going to add to your ability to, uh, to kill this buck later this fall because, you know, buck fever is a real thing and being able to like actually encounter seeing this deer on the hoof several times before, you know, you see him on the hoof in the tree stand, hopefully. Yeah. Um, that's going to be good. And I don't know, like from what you've been telling me, this deer is a straight up homebody. <laughs> he clearly is living there and his travel corridor, like you have two cameras in two very different locations and the days in which you get him on either of those cameras flip flops and is very, in my opinion, correlated with the wind. Like me, he's skirt, he's skirting that the, edge. Let me tell the two other times I saw him. Cause I, okay. I, I want to yeah, talk yeah, about, yeah. I want to talk about these trail cameras. Cause like, that's the most recent, um, like sighting that, but that's, that's not an in-person one that I'm trying to, um, that I was just as, you know, explaining there with the lawnmower. That right. was probably what, six days ago, seven days ago, maybe mm-hmm. less. I can't even remember time anymore, but even further than that, like probably 10 days ago, I went for a jog and I just ran around the block and the wind was coming straight out of the east, um, pretty good, like good east wind, eight, 10 miles an hour. And you can just tell, I mean, I didn't, you know, get out the phone and look anything, but it was like a, it was a good breeze. It wasn't like nothing and it wasn't like 15 mile an hour humming but it was a good breeze and i come like the field this field this exact field that i'm talking about when i saw him on the lawnmower i'm jogging down it's kind of a down slope to my house and it's kind of like a rolling hill and i look over just just on the other edge of the field on this buffer mm-hmm. and i see a big old buck and i'm like oh man it's gonna spook out of there for sure like i'm running right down the road like it's broad open between me and it and it didn't spook. It was looking, I soon, you know, the closer I got, I could tell it was looking right into the wind. It wasn't looking downwind. It was looking up into it, straight east. 
kind of mm-hmm. out into this this neighboring bean field, and I saw it. I flew back to the house. I you know I you know I usually try and sprint the last little bit of my jog, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get my glass and run back there, you know, whatever. And I run to the house, grab my glass, and I'm like, man, do I run back down there? I'm like, I don't want it to see me and spook. Like, I'm just gonna take a tr- you know take the truck. And I knew exactly where it was. And this these whole the these hills are kind of rolling, so like I couldn't see it from the house. So I grab my binoculars, jump in the truck. I'm like dripping with sweat, and I run in the house. And Lexi's like, "What are you doing?" Like, I'm like, "It's how big buck gotta go," you know. <laughs> yeah. Just jump in the truck, turn it on. I go, and I just slowly get to the point where the the I can see over this little bluff in the in the field, and I can just see the antlers of this deer bedding down right in the right in the buffer that it's it's feeding next to again 4 30 in the afternoon five o'clock something like that and i'm like dang that deer is so smart that like he hears no cars he's up Mm -hmm. he's up grabbing a quick bite he's bedding out in the out in the broad open and that's what kind of gave him away because if i mean the first time i ever saw this deer you know this dev he was like bedding like right next to the road i mean big old buck 50 yards from the house, 20 yards from the road, just out in, out in the open bedding very meticulously, I, I think, but he mm-hmm. beds down. I just see his antlers going to the grass and I can't, I can't see anything, but the, just the, barely the tips of his antlers and broad. And like, I mean, if you could, if you could see where this deer was bedding, it's just like out in the open, you know, for mm-hmm. better lack of words. But what, what do you think? Like, <sighs> Do you think that makes him smart, or do you just think he's like getting lucky, and this is just how he's made his living, and this is all he knows? Like, or do you think he's like meticulously betting right there because of the wind and the way that the bluff is? Or I, I can't decide. You know what I mean? I can't decide if he's like just made his living here and he's never been bugged, so that's what he's doing, or he's being real smart about it. I think you'll be able to answer that question a little more as the season starts. And I mean, cause you're, you're relatively new to the area. So you're going to learn something about how, how hard the surrounding area gets pressured with hunters and so forth. But I'm sort of of the opinion that I think he's really, really smart. I don't think he's lucky. I don't think it's lack of pressure. That's the reason he's lived. The reason I say that is like, there's a lot of uh, relatively mainstream content right now. Um, and it's increasing every day about like, um, suburban bow hunting and big bucks that are just living in little slivers and fingers of woods. Um, they over the years get really smart and know where they're not going to be bugged based on just historical data and living and making it from one year to the next. And so, I mean, kind of where I was going earlier, it was like, this deer's a homebody, like he's betting on your property and he's traveling to his food, um, with different paths and different routes, depending on the wind. Um, but like, and I forget who says it, but there's another podcast that I was listening to. And the comment was made, like, if you're hunting a big deer and you know where he's bedding and you know where he's feeding, that deer should be dead. And you certainly know where that deer is eating every night or every day. And we know where he's living. And so, you know, a lot of this is just starting to, or I guess not starting, but continuing to gather data on, you know, how consistent is his travel pattern in relation to the wind? Because I think you're going to get pictures of him on a certain camera on a certain wind. And then on other days when the wind's doing something different, you're going to get him on a different camera. And I think that's just because he's wicked smart. Hmm. Um, 
I think that buffer strip between those two, two 80-acre parcels um, uh, that are currently in beans, I think that's almost like a staging area. So I don't think that's where he beds long-term or like for a long amount of time. But I think if he goes out to feed and he's just going to bed down for a couple hours, he's just going to bed in that buffer strip, especially if he knows he's not <clears throat> going to be bothered. Yeah. But I think I think his hardcore bedroom, uh, quite literally, for obvious reasons and for all the reasons that we saw last year when we walked your property, I think his bedroom's your property. And I think, you know, that's gonna that's gonna remain consistent. I mean, there, so so there's a lot of talk about deer summering in different places than they rut. I don't think this deer is is like he's that. A, no, and, and that's that's the point. And that's another podcast I was listening to lately is like some deer definitely summer in a different place than they rut, but it's definitely deer dependent. And I think this guy's a homebody because for you to have seen him out in the middle of daylight bedded that close to the house last December and then go on to purchase the property and get him on camera and, and lay eyes on him the number of times that you have. Like there's so many guys that are hunting deer that are like, oh, I got two pictures of this deer all summer and I didn't see him again until October. Like this guy is living there. Well, Dev, let me be, let me be clear too. Cause the, I told, I said there's three times that I think I saw him. So that second time when I was jogging, I never like, mm-hmm. I never like confirmed right, that is right. 1000% that deer. Cause I was looking at probably, you know, 300 yards over. And right, I mean, right. for, I mean, it was a giant regardless so I'm calling it that deer, but I know there's a couple other deer around here that are that are good looking bucks. So I, I don't know if it's for sure him, but either way, like it fits his profile of where he likes to bed. Like he's just like it just fits, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just where I've seen him just the last few days. But remember that that day that I I drove out to your place and we went and looked at your uh, your new place that you're going to be living in. Yeah, I never told you this, but on that drive. So this would be this would be the story of the third time that I think I saw this buck. This the 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 first story I said about where I saw this this buck kind of out in the beans and he it spooked from his bed. Um, that location, there's a, on the other side of the road. There's a bedding strip and it's same thing. There's a there's a patch of timber. There's a buffer strip by a drain and then corn, and then the other side of the road is that 160 acres of bean with the buffer strip in between the two 80s. So like, okay. this is where these deer naturally funnel along this drain where there's a natural CRP like buffer strip going into that bean field is where they're feeding. And I was flying down the road cause I was on my way to your place. And you know, it was, it was in the afternoon for sure. It was like six o'clock or something. And I was flying down the road and I always look down that cause I, I see deer filing out of there every night. I mean, every night deer filing out of there, going into the beans. Like, let me look right now. No, there's nothing in there right now. But, like, it's almost guaranteed that, like, in the afternoon, 7, 38, 39, like, just before dark, you're going to see deer down there. And I look, yep. just, I mean, I'm going down the road, driving my truck, probably 50 miles an hour, and I look, and I see a big old buck right in the middle of that buffer, and I'm like, oh, dude, like, and I was late to your, you know, I'm meeting you, and I turn around real quick, go back, and there's nothing there. And I'm like, son of a gun. Like, again, I couldn't completely confirm as that buck. But it was a big old buck, like, regardless. So it was kind of cool. But I just am like, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind, all three of these stories, I'm telling you, it's this deer, and I know where he's bedding, you know, primarily. And, like, he's, like you said, he's a homebody. And I'm just like, oh, it's so cool because he's such a, he's such a mature deer. 
his age class is like rare for around here and just the the antler growth that he's putting on right now is incredible and i've never ever i would never tell you dev that i'm like the kind of guy who hunts a buck like it just doesn't feel like i would do that but like for around here like i am definitely hunting that buck yeah well and i think right right around here too like there's not a ton of opportunity for guys to i shouldn't i shouldn't make all misstatements but in general, there's not a lot of guys I know that hunt around here that are really able to pattern a deer and hunt a buck. Um, you, you might get a couple on camera and say, hey, you know, I really I really hope I can catch up with this guy later this fall. But for you to be able to be getting the amount of data on the steer that you're getting, um, being able to watch his antler growth this whole summer and starting to pattern like his feeding and his travel, that's super cool like that's that's what that's what hunters aspire to do by putting out cameras and and, you know putting in food plots and doing all this stuff like that's where i would think a lot of people are working to get to that's where i'm working to get to is to be able to you know find some target deer start patterning them put put you know a scatter plot of cameras out and start to really put like a a strategy together on how to kill a deer this guy's really so so like it's interesting because I just got done telling you that I think this guy's really, really smart and he's not lucky. But part of me feels like he's almost tempting fate a little. And then if I, on that topic, like if he's just, you know, maybe, maybe he, I think it's a mixture. I think he really hasn't been pressured. He hasn't had a lot of people shooting at him or anything like that, just based on where you're located. But I think he's also smart. I think it's, I think it's a mixture of the two, but you know, he seems relatively social and kind of out and about assuming all three encounters that you, uh, that you think you had with him were actually him. Sorry. I sent you that video where like my lawnmower was running and I just got like a, what it was like a five second video. Like I was just freehanding it. He started running it, but it just didn't work very well. But I sent it to you and you're like, you, you responded immediately. Like you like, you got to kill that buck or somebody else is going to get after him, man. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know. Like he, he's mm-hmm. definitely living. I mean, one of his key primary bedding locations is like on my land. That's guaranteed. Like, I mean, it, it, it's like I don't I don't know how to tell people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I'm some go out and you just can just tell that he's living there. But like, if you were to see the scrapes on the sides of these trees, it's just like there's nothing else that can make that that high. I mean, I mean seriously, like yeah. the rubs were like if it ain't if it ain't him, you got an elk. What else is making that? I mean, it's like, this is not rocket science here. Like he's living there. And that brings me to this, this last point, like just (laughs) yesterday, folks, I had this, um, you know, if you're following the podcast, three podcasts ago or so, we were talking about, you know, where this buck's bedding in the Southeast corner of my property. It's like a four acre parcel or a four acre, like chunk of timber surrounded by CRP. And it's just, it's just a swampy, tall, 12 foot, gnarly, like brush and like great cover, right? Great typical deer bedding cover i'd call it a thicket i would call it a thicket three or four acres max yeah yeah good good point it's a small thicket but it's it's a it's a dense tightly packed little block probably a month ago i put a trail cam on the east property line where the natural like okay the crp and the timber kind of like the tree line meet I'm like, he's, he's got to be using that every once in a while to get out to these beans. I mean, you see a ton of does on a you know daily basis. I'm like, I'm going to throw a camera out in that tree line and just see what happens. And honest to God, like I would not, the sign wasn't great. It's not like I would just put a trail cam there if I was out on public or something. And um, like, it wasn't like a natural, like we talked last time, like 
it's not like a great oh there's tons of sign here you know totally this is where this is where you want to put a camera like that it wasn't one of those locations just simply walked in 50 yards off the road and put a camera in a tree that was simple like nothing thought through and I hadn't checked it for a month or so so I went down there yesterday night walked down the road got to the camera and um and I was looking at it like I took my little um, adapter deal and I'm looking at them like in the field like right by the camera and I'm flipping through like you know wind wind you know all these false photos and I'm not really getting anything there's a couple crows a bird this and that there's a couple does in there and all of a sudden boom 20 pictures of the Holy <laughs> Spirit feeding and rubbing his antlers on the tree that I put this camera on mm-hmm did you put a mock scrape or a licking branch or a vine or anything there? Nothing. Just really? like I put it high because I wanted to see if like anything crossing like 30 yards out. Like these cameras are decent, you know, so anything like you can see antlers. That's what I was planning on getting. If anything is like, he's not going to maybe be like right here, but he'll be out kind of like in the tall grass and I might get a picture of his antlers and just be able to tell. But no, dude, this deer, I got like 20 photos. I got videos, videos. of this buck. Just, I mean, you could like, I was, was like inside off. his spread. Yeah. I was like, was... that's where the photos were being taken. Like it was incredible footage. And I sent it to you and you were just like, Oh my God, dude, that's a, that means, a I've never seen, I've never seen anything like it. And that's why, I don't know, man. It just get me all geeked up. That last clip you sent me, the very last clip you sent me where he, he's walking back out into the CRP. Um, that like gave me chills because like watching his, watching his head and his rack like just scooting through the crp that way like it gave me it gave me chills and like foreshadowing of us sitting in the stand this fall me with a camera over your shoulder and hit like just that rack coming through the crp towards our tree onyx is the number one gps hunting app on the market if you don't have onyx i would highly consider trying a free trial where you can get access to all 50 states and all of the mapping features and tools onyx allows you to send waypoints to your buddies see public and private boundary lines and see where you stand in live time and also has a new weather feature that allows you to track weather and wind so you can stay on top of your game literally it's a no-brainer if you go on your computer not your mobile device to onyxmaps.com and use the promo code PaintedArrow, you will receive 20% off your elite or premium subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. There's nothing I like doing more than hunting elk in the western states. One of the main challenges of hunting big game species in western states is actually getting a tag. Furthermore, it's actually understanding each state's drawing systems, which can seem like a chore to figure out for beginners. Go Hunt is a company that has figured out how to simplify this obstacle for basic folk like you and me. Go Hunt offers a subscription service called the Insider, which gives you access to the most accurate draw odds, species breakdowns, and strategy articles out there. Before I started using Go Hunt, I would spend hours filing through kill harvest reports and data sheets looking for a good unit to hunt in. And using the Insider has streamlined this process, making it easier and more efficient than ever before. This has allowed me to find a place to go hunt hence the name. Visit GoHunt.com to find out more and to start a free trial with the Insider Subscription Service. 
Shupex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan has been in the business of selling outdoor equipment for over 30 years. They have over 1,000 new and used guns and over 500 new bows for you to choose from. This family-owned and operated company goes above and beyond to make sure that you are taken care of when it comes to buying gear. Use the promo code PAINTEDARROW5 at the checkout and receive 5% off your entire purchase. Yes, that does include guns and bows, folks. Go down to Shoepex today. You know, uh, the, uh, the THP, the, the hunting public, they have that awesome video. I can't remember his name. Is it Zach? He shoots that deer in, um, it's either Nebraska or anyway, it's like he's in the canola grass and all you yeah. can see is this velvet box antlers sticking out and this deer can't see, but everything else outside the CRP or I'm sorry, outside the canola could like tell that there's a freaking big buck cause his antlers are just sticking straight out. That's exactly what that video that you're talking about is like. He's just like yep. he can't see out over the grass, but he is his antlers are just projected way out, and it's really really crazy cool. Yeah, yeah. I also this might be a topic for another podcast, but I was I was thinking you, you sending me that those videos and pictures kind of got my wheels turning, and I think on the right wind down towards what we're considering the buck nest, where we think he you know where we think the core of his bedroom is. I think on the outskirts of that, on a good wind, um, that sets up and lends itself really nicely to a, to potentially a decoy ground hunt. Yeah. Maybe as we get closer towards the rut, you get in there, you know, if, if you've, if you've struggled to see him or have encounters with him through the early season and it's getting, you know, time, time for the rut, I think it'd be really neat to, uh, to tuck in with, you know, a ghillie suit or something on a good wind and set up a, set up a decoy and see if you can't we can't piss them off get yeah. them, get it, you know pull them out of there you bring up an interesting point so like that my, my east property boundary is um there's houses along it right and i mm-hmm. i gotta get permission that's like my, my big thing i want to do and I'll, I'll have to follow up in the future and i, I really want to approach the yeah i just want to like approach the farmer and be like hey can i just like walk through your property and get to that tree line so well, that one, that one gal that we saw in her yard when we were bringing back your big, your big window from the store there, yeah. you know who I'm talking about? I think she was redoing windows at the same time. Mm-hmm. She seemed real friendly. And if I think about like the location of her house on that tree line, that might be a good spot to be able to just walk through her backyard and slip into that fence line. She owns like a couple acres in the back of her property line. This may be, uh, it's like 50 yards from where this deer's living. Yeah. That ain't far. But, That's why yeah. it's so like... That just, if he really is living in there, and I, I think it's obvious, but, like, it's just incredible. Like, he's living close to folks, you know. I mean, it's not like there's a a whole lot between him and that house. Like, it's just incredible. But if all those people started hunting and hunting hard, he'd be gone. I mean, he's smart. Behind all those houses is a farmer's field, so it doesn't yeah. look like it. But that lady is the only lady who owns up to my property boundary. If we think about how old we we think that deer is and i think we'll make up our mind a little better the more encounters you have with him the more data and so forth but currently my thought process with very limited um so we've got some data but we have very limited history with the deer right i mean our first time we saw him was last december Mm -hmm. um i really feel like he was four and a half last year i think he's a five and a half this year Mm mm-hmm 
I really do. Which, which I'm maybe he's older, maybe he's six. I don't know, but just for a Michigan buck to even reach five and feel as comfortable and as be a, be as much of a homebody as he is, like not only is it a testament to your property and the property that he's living on, um, but it's it's a testament to or it tells you something about the surrounding properties and the pressure that that deer has or hasn't experienced. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys talk, we've talked about this before and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but so many people talk about when you go to buy a property, more important than what's on your property is what's on the, what, what the properties around your property are and what they're made up of. You're surrounded by a ton of ag and your property offers something that very little surrounding property offers. And that's native grasses and bedding and bedding. It's incredible when you think about it like that and look at it from like a high topo the, map. Like, because isn't it Sturt? Isn't it Jeff Sturgis that talks a lot about that? He's like, you know, I, I always focus on. I look at a property and I look at all the surrounding properties, and then I let that guide what I want to do with with the subject property. He's like, your goal is to offer the deer something in your property that's not immediately offered in the surrounding properties. Jeff Sturgis always also always talks about um, how much he dislikes CRP. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if he's always, but he talks. I've, I've heard him multiple times in podcasts say about, you know, if you're in a contract, get out of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Just I don't know if that's right or wrong, but no, here you know here nor there. I think we got something special, and it, it works for where I'm at right now. Well, here here's the deal: if you were surrounded by uh, a bunch of neighbors that had. 50 and 100 acre parcels that were all in crp contract as well well then chances are your property wouldn't be the gem that it is but again you're 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 surrounded by a ton of ag a whole bunch of food beans and corn and it is like a natural big old bedding yeah and if you zoom out there's also the part of the timber that you own and you know there's a couple other people that own the rest of that block that i would consider it but you zoom out farther than that aside from your crp and that timber block there is really nothing else for cover Mm-hmm. So like these little like there's like like I said I mean, little slivers and I think that this this deer is just kind of adapted to the surroundings and he he understands what these farmers are doing and he knows what he can and can't get away with and it's it's incredible how he's I don't know I'd love to know the history further than than what I know about this place and like find out how long he's actually been like making a living here like has it been his whole life or what you know what I mean what's neater to me than, than your potential to kill this buck is, uh, is the, the handful of other bucks that you have on camera that are also a really respectable deer. And to like, we were talking earlier today that the Holy spirit, like if you look at the video that you were able to get at him last December and we look at the pictures now, like it's, it's irrefutable that that is the same deer. Like it is a hundred percent the same deer. We're not like, we know that, but the other thing that's neat is one of your other hit listers who we haven't talked a ton about, um, but the buck that we deemed curly, you're pretty confident that that's the, the, the only other, well, I guess you saw a couple other deer that day, but that's, you also saw that buck the day that you first sighted the Holy spirit back before you even owned the property. So I'm like 70% sure that that deer that we're calling curly is the second deer that I saw that day. There's two bucks. I saw the first day I walked this place. It was a Holy spirit. And I'm, I'm 70% sure that, it was that other buck, Curly. And 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 I guess just a quick footnote. The, the reason we're calling him Curly is because he's got very unique brow tines, and they're very tall, and they curl. Um, so 
you know, for obvious reasons, we're calling him Curly. But <laughs> Well, you see here he's got curly ears on him. That's why yeah. we're calling him Curly. But no, um, He's got but big old curly brow tines, exactly. Though, though that information is interesting to me because two deer that you saw on a property you had no history with were now pretty confident that both those deer made it through the season and are still living on your property. Hmm. That, tells, that tells you something. So all of these other respectable bucks that you have on camera it's going to be really cool over the next couple of years to watch you be able to monitor those deer and monitor their life cycle and monitor their growth because you're going to start to learn exactly what you were just asking or po- the question you were posing about the holy spirit is wanting to know how this deer is making his living i have a feeling they're just hopscotching around on good winds and living in different little slivers between ag um and your your crp i mean Last year when we went and walked that, all the CRP is knocked over. It's dead. It's late. You know, it's you're into winter. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of like a wasteland. Um, oh, yeah. This year in the spring and currently, I mean, there's stuff that's seven, eight, nine feet tall. So that's providing a ton of living and bedding cover for these deer. Yeah. And, I'm a little um, worried about that for the late season, but, I mean, this will be the first year that I'm not going to, like, do anything. I'm just going to hunt it figure out I, what is you know yeah and I, I guess i get that concern but i would remind yourself that you saw him in broad daylight bedded in it in december freaking nuts dude I so just, he was and still that's, living that's there. so interesting that you bring like i want i want to just i feel like i'm hogging the conversation here i want to i want to make two points and then i want to hear i want to hear some things from you but the the fact that it was the december 23rd two days before christmas mm-hmm. driving down the road and i see that buck I had like this worry, like when I'm going through, like, uh, I know buying this house and I'm redoing it and I'm like, Oh, am I going to see this buck again? Like, I think that's any guy who's like into deer hunting. Like that would be a concern to them. Like you might not ever see him. That could have just been luck. But like the fact that I saw him on December 23rd, like I had been walking different properties. Right. And I was seeing big bucks and like, there's a good indicator that that late in the season, if you see a buck bedded, like that's his home range. That's mm-hmm. where he feels safe. That's where he's, he's not out. I mean, yeah, there's definitely still rutting going on and there's does that are coming into heat late and all that jazz. But like, if you wanted to put your, your money down and like, you know, in December 23rd, that late in the season, season's almost closed. That's his home area. That That's yep. where he feels comfortable. That's where he feels safe. And apparently this deer felt real comfortable about 50 yards from my window right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, the, the last point I want to make to you, Deb, we were, we were up on, uh, I had a couple guys out here doing some, some work on my roof. I had, had to get some venting, um, some vents put in to kind of help the, the attic breathe a little bit. And so we were up there and I was going up there to check out some of their work and I get up on the roof and I'm looking around and I'm like, by golly, there's a great view up here. I could see right down to the bucket. <laughs> I swear to God, Dev, I was I was up there. This was probably eight days ago. I had a couple guys out there, and I'm sitting there talking to them. They're like, "Yeah, how does the uh, how's our how's our work look?" And I'm up there like staring way down at the buck nest. I'm like, I I cannot believe I could see like right down to it. <laughs> so guess what's been up sitting up against my house the last eight days? A ladder. A ladder, dude. Every night about seven thirty, I'll go up there and glass for about an hour until dark. Yeah, I haven't cool. seen him yet. I haven't haven't put my eyes on any bucks actually, but I've seen, I mean, I can see deer everywhere. Will you have the same view out of the top of the loft of the barn if you put a window in up there? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure enough. That's gonna be money. I I I've literally been getting on the roof every night. Like me and my lady will be watching a show, and I say, "Hey, what time is it?" And she'll be like, oh, "Hurry up!" And I'll press pause. And last, <laughs> last last twenty minutes of light, you know, like. Yep. It's incredible, Dev. I'm living the dream out here. You are, and you. Again, we've talked about this, but the anticipation for this season is building in 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 such a way that like I'm just like I'm more excited for for people around me and their success this year um, than I am for myself. I really am. Like, I, I really mean that. Like, I think I, I was, I guess spoiled is not the right word, but I, I had a really, really awesome season last year. I shot a deer that I wouldn't have expected that. Um, like I just totally, it was totally unexpected. Like I didn't see myself shooting that caliber of deer um, for a long time. And uh, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm just really invested and excited for, for you and, and some other people around me and, and their success this year. You specifically, because just the journey you've gone through to acquire the property and, and start gaining the intelligence or the intel on these deer. Um, I mean, you, you've, you've pounded the pavement and uh, hunted a lot of public over a lot of years. And I was listening to some of our previous podcasts and like you're just you ranting about finding a good a good spot on a piece of public and then the dude walks in with a bag of Doritos and a cigarette and sits down on a stump right next to you like it's just that's <laughs> that's stuff you're not gonna have to deal with anymore and I'm, dude I'm, I feel so bad about that because I I was cursing that guy in my head and he was you know just what? trying to have fun with his daughter or something <laughs> yeah but but it's still frustrating just because of the how serious we take this you know what i mean yeah yeah he was tw- so. he was like 12 yards from a great scrape he had no idea too <laughs> i mean he had absolutely no idea where he was at and i was like well that's uh that's that's, that's unfortunate yeah um but on on that note the, i, I kind of want to hear about what's going on in in your neck of the woods and what you're doing on your property and i know you you switched around some trail cams and yeah, I'll fo- I'll foresh- foreshadow a little bit because I think getting into some of it will also be another podcast. But, and this is a bold claim, but I think I really think I found where these buck these bucks are uh, are summering, and I just moved a camera to this location. And I don't like I said I don't have the proof. I don't have pictures that that back up my statement yet. But there's a portion of this property that I found that that we talked a little bit about on a previous podcast, but. Um, a couple weeks after that, or about, I guess about a week and a half after we did that podcast, I went back in there and, and it was the last time you and I had been back there, it was kind of right after a rain. And so we had another really dry week and that portion of the property drive dried up even that much more. And I'm telling you, like, it was just riddled with big buck tracks hmm. and they're, they're, they're just, they seem to be traveling like they're using the edge of that creek as a travel corridor. And you and I, again, we talked about that on that other podcast and we, we kind of hypothesized that that was the case. And before, before we had even said that my, my hunch was that the thicket that we know that they live in, that they were going more North and South across the road over to those beans. But then we set up a couple cameras on a couple, you know, hot, what we thought were hot trails uh, leading to that road and over the street. And I had those out there for two weeks and didn't get a picture of a deer so that's important um you know had i left them there through the rest of august yeah sure i probably would have got a couple pictures but 
I found a ton of buck tracks and just really heavily traveled trails right along that back creek. It's like, that's like a backstop and they're, they're using that as a travel corridor. And I think what I mentioned last time was I had heard, um, again, another podcast recently that was talking about when bucks are traveling their, their home range, if there is a water feature, creek, river, whatever that spans the length of their home range or, you know, goes across the property, they're generally for security purposes going to travel right next to that creek if they're going a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're making a, you know, a drastic change, for instance, like going long ways from bedding to food. And so I really feel like they're just summering because seasonally this portion of the property is wet when it starts snowing and raining and, and all that, like it, it gets pretty flooded back there. And I think that maybe when we start to see them transition up to that thicket. Yeah. Like last year that was underwater. Right. But right now it is like, I can walk back there in ankle boots. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, it just, it gives them access to this whole other portion of the property that they can live comfortably in bed back there if they want to, because it's not underwater. And then that tucks up behind all this ag. Um, so I really feel like they might be summering back there. And I, you know, like you, like you alluded to, I moved a couple cameras back there. So I guess that's a little bit foreshadowing. I'm going to let them soak and let them sit for a little while, a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe even through the end of August before I pull them. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what we get back there because there's this really, really cool little, not even, not an outcropping, but there's this really in- interesting, like mouth almost on the edge of the creek that like when it floods, this would be like a tributary that floods off of the creek. But right now the creek's low enough that this little entrance that would have been a tributary um, is basically like a, like a little lead into a watering hole. And it's just riddled with tracks and you can tell the deer are traveling that edge and then they get to this spot and that's where they're choosing to drink from the creek. Um, and that, and I set that, uh, I set that main camera up right over that little watering hole. So you've got a heavy trail coming in from, you know, east and west traveling along the, the creek there, but right in front of the camera is where they seem to be stopping and spending some time to drink. So could end up getting some cool pictures of not only deer, but, you know, potentially other, other wildlife that's stopping there to get a drink of water. Dude, I bet you're going to get a coon the size of a bear in there. Probably, but I'm telling you, like. It was like, and I've made this analogy before, but it, it was like the hub, like the spokes coming off the hub of a wheel. Like there was just, mm-hmm. there was trails coming everywhere off this point. And no matter which one you followed, there was just big tracks with big dew claws that just appeared to be big, heavy bucks. And maybe they're just bachelored up living back there this summer, you know, or, you know, and that's the other thing this summer, like maybe lat the surrounding ag is seasonal. So if, when the, when the beans and corn flip flop, maybe they're not summering back there, but I, I think they are right now. I really right now do. It's corn, right? That West field is corn. Yeah. It's all corn this year and beans are on the North, but last year it was all beans on the West and corn on the North. Yeah. I'm real interested. I'm real interested about this corn bean debate. Cause I think the, I think it's obvious right now, this time of year, you know, we're in late summer, like the beans are pretty, pretty popular, but they're money. And, and everything I keep reading and hearing is that there's almost going to be a hard stop where the deer transition off the beans. Cause be, correct me if I'm wrong, but beans get harvested pretty early. Typically, you know, um, I've never, I've never, I've, I've always remembered it being before the corn, but I don't know like when exactly that is. So one of the other uh, 60 acre farms that I have permission on 
that alternates between a bean and a corn year every other year. So, and typically when it's a bean year, they take it out early October. Mm. And sometimes depending on when the farmers were able to plant, if it's corn, they'll leave it up all the way into, you know, late November. Yeah. Yeah. That can be, that's tricky. The amount of corn that's around here. I hope, I hope that deer don't just, pile in there and never come out because that could be an issue for me and that could be an issue for you too especially um especially the the way that some of the the property lays out around here but your property like that that creek bottom that you're talking about i i don't know if it's really going to affect too much because you're going to get some of that traffic from across the road on the on the east coming and going and they got to go somewhere right i mean that's going to be an awesome corridor for big mature deer but I'm I'm very interested in that, and I'm going to pay more attention this year. And I think we'll talk about it more naturally that we're we're discussing all this right now. But it's going to be it's going to be cool to see how, like you said, when the beans get picked and how it's going to affect them. I think we're going to key into that a lot more this year. Yeah, and I think the other way I'm trying to and have continued to try to combat the whole corn thing, and just you know combat the you know deer just holding up and living in the corn, is my food plot. Like offering them a big green you know, food source, not, I guess not big, but a, a green food source located relatively close to the corn that gives them a reason to have to leave the corn. Because in general, what I've read is, you know, if a deer has a green food source to choose over corn, they'll eat the green food source, but corn's also an awesome food source for them. So that's, you know, late season. And, and I would probably have even better luck if I was, if I were to fence off the plot through the middle of, um, or I guess the beginning and middle of the season to, to minimize browse pressure until the end of the season. That would but be a chore though, to put up a fence. It, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. And that's where I think long-term you might find um, success or the ability to put up a food source that's focused on late season, because when we already know they're living on your property, because like we talked about the CRP is offered and you're one of the only properties around you that offers that CRP. Mm-hmm. Um, but once beans and corn are gone, if you had a late season green brassica food source for these deer, oh my goodness. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think you would you would set up for unbelievable muzzleloader seasons. Yeah. But but those are all topics for another for another day. Well, we got forty five minutes in. I think we can we can wrap it up. Um you have any closing thoughts or things you want to end on here? No, I think, I guess, you know, stay tuned. There's just, there's, there's a lot of really big things in the works and happening for us with not only painted arrow, but just, you know, our own growth as, as sportsmen. And, um, we're, yeah. we're really excited. This anticipation for this season, I can't, I can't, I can't speak to it enough. The anticipation for this season is, is incredible. We we're set up to learn a ton of things this year and we're trying to just in full transparency, share all of that so that you know other people can learn too yeah i guess i second all of that and i think you said it best like we're set up to learn a lot again we, we're not out here trying to say that we know everything we're, we're we, we love don't. deer and we, we want to learn about them and um for me like i think you i think you said it like for me for a long time like something that's been real hard is just being so transparent and open like with the world like that's what this is here like folks like a podcast anyone in the whole world can listen to this and it's kind of weird 
talking about, um, it, it took me a while to get over that fact of just being completely out there with all of your information about like, you know, your deer hunting locations and, and your what life. you're doing and your tactics. Exactly. Your life. So I think that that's, uh, I think that, uh, us sharing this all with you, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's something different for both of us. And like Devin said, there's, uh, I hate to let, let the cat out of the bag, but there's, there's a lot of cool things that we are both working on um for this year and following years and uh i i hope that uh hope that you guys are buckled in and ready because it's going to be it's going to be a really fun ride it's going to be cool and that's so that's the honest approach that we're going to continue to try to take is you know we're not sitting here every day going man let's get a podcast in we, you know we got to create some content the our approach is let's document like let's document what we're doing and let that be the content we're not creating content we're documenting and we hope that that comes through as honest as, as we feel it is because you know again we don't have to come up with topics to talk about we're just documenting the things that we talk about and uh you know and, and allowing all of you to have you know viewership of that like Devin and I would be on the phone having the exact yeah. same conversation. So this yep. is, this is, uh, this is exclusive stuff here. This, this is, this is, this is really cool. This is, this is awesome. Technology is awesome. How we can just record all this and, and everybody can listen to it. So and share it. Yeah. Really excited, buddy. I think we can wrap it up on that until next time, everybody. We appreciate it. And we'll, we'll hear from you soon. All righty. Mm-hmm.